Father in heaven, we are grateful for a beautiful day today, and we ask that we would be especially attuned to the Spirit of God. We pray specifically for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we would be converted anew, that our hearts would be transformed, that our minds would be brought into the very atmosphere of heaven, and that we would know that we are in your presence just now, Lord. So please, as we seek to tackle tough questions, we pray that you would give us wisdom, discernment, and, uh, and hearing hearts to be able to hear what you have to say to each one of us. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So at this point, let's go ahead and see what you might have in terms of questions from this week. And we have one already in the back. Yes. Okay. Well, give me another one then. We need to Does anybody have anything? Yes. Say, if I go to my pastor, I went to my pastor and asked, interest coordinator, is that such a thing as a change? Uh huh. I asked him, do you have one? And he's like, I'm no interest coordinator. Mm -hmm. I guess my question goes, how do you approach your pastor to return to that we talked about. Cameron DeVager is the answer to that. That's right. That's right. Sure, I'll make some stuff up. Um, <laughs> no, I think that I think you should pretend, you're, pretend that your pastor's a person. Okay. And, you know, I think... <laughs> but, I mean, we, we kind of view pastors as this distant, like there's a special category of individuals. They're in the local church doing a job. The only difference is they're getting paid for it. But everyone... This is one of the little pet peeves I have about the whole, well, when you're working with volunteers, you can only get with... You're volunteering for service. That means that you're volunteering to do things, right? Not volunteering so I can quit whenever I want or I only do part of the job, right? You're, you're volunteering to do the whole job. And the pastor has a whole job to do too. He's just getting paid for it. That's, his, that's the only real difference, right? So theoretically, he went into the ministry because he wants to see the church run well. He wants to see the gospel go to the world and all these different things. And you say, look, I've come to... I've come from camp meeting, we're talking about these things, I'd love to visit with you about it. No, but I, I don't know that the right approach is like, and I'm not assuming you did that either, but just talk to him on a personal, like sharing what was, was a blessing for me at camp meeting, or what I've been reading or studying, or, um, and I wanted to see if I was, I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, how am I off here a little bit, but maybe to get a little bit more member involvement, and one of the areas might be the interest coordinator. Um, I know you've got a lot to do. I know you, have, you, know, you might have two churches or three churches. I don't know. You've got prayer meetings and board meetings and business meetings and worship services. I give you being the Bible worker and interest coordinator and the you know, Bible school board. That doesn't need to be anything. We want to help. We want to be about our father's business. So here's a way we can do it. I don't know. Just a thought. Well, in addition to that, are you in Michigan? Yeah. Everything we're sharing is coming from, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's did true. you not share that part of the work of the board is to consider conference initiatives. This, all we're talking about is a conference initiative. So your pastor ought to be very open to what is being discussed here. So, I, and, I, and just to clarify for you, yes, those of you who either were or weren't here, I don't remember, I shared this yesterday. But michigansspm.org is their website. Click on resources. Under resources, you'll find a, uh, a scroll down and you'll see files. Click on files. And in there, you'll find file folders. So I'm going to have one that's going to say Sabbath School, whatever his seminar was on Sabbath, Sabbath School. school so anybody lot. who wants any of that, boom, can get in. I didn't know what you called it. <laughs> um, and then 
The Whiteout series is another folder. Emmanuel Ignite is another folder. You go to that Ignite folder. Everything we've used handout-wise is there. So you can share all that with your pastor, whether you get, get these or say, hey, this is some of the stuff we went over. Um, because you're here in Michigan, like I said, uh, if you just mentioned that you learned this in camp meeting and you want to discuss it and you'd be eager to get some of it started, you should find some more receptiveness to it. I have one comment on that just before we take um, I understand what your pastor is saying, but your pastor is not the interest coordinator. In the church main of the interest coordinator is a position held by a church member who sits on the church board. So he may be doing the job of an interest coordinator, but he is not the interest coordinator. And that's why sometimes, you know, you can just emphasize that there was just a strong emphasis in the Emmanuel session that uh, we have an interest coordinator who can help not only with the coordination of interests, but following up, making sure interests are getting followed up, and all those types of things. And they specifically mentioned that it was a church member position in the church manual. Also, and adding to that even further, not only does it say it needs to be a church member, but the last item on the interest coordinator job description is work when with an the interest pastor. is sufficiently developed, it should be shared with the pastor. That's right. The implication, in fact, the, I would say the <laughs> explicit expectation mm -hmm. is that this is a lay member who's, and it also says also to find other qualified lay members for follow-up service, right? The idea that all of this is being taken care of the lay people, and then, yes, there's a role for the pastor to play, is in clearing and preparation for baptism and introducing and, and doing the whole baptism process and church business meeting part of it when you vote them in. There's a lot for the pastor to do for new members. Mm -hmm. But it's not to do every Bible study and not seek every interest and not categorize and keep up with them. That needs to be the work of the deity. And the command of the Let's tell you, Pastor, he's working too hard and you'd like to give him a break. I gotta, I gotta follow up with an interest coordinator. With an interest coordinator, could you give a personality or characteristic or what would be the person you look for that would be good at doing that? So, specific job description qualities do they need to have? Skills. Doing the job. <laughs> <laughs> Diligence, I think. And I'm not even being facetious. Like, it's one of, if one of the primary things is to keep record of something, make sure you write it down. Keep track. They're organized and they're faithful. And they, they, they show up to meetings. If they're supposed to give a report, they need to be someone who attends the meetings, that kind of thing. So the good thing is they don't have to notice the interest creator is not the one who's doing all the follow-up. They don't even have to be that good at giving Bible studies. They're organized and can stay on top of things, can anticipate, make the list ready for the meeting. If a Bible study interest comes in, oh, here's uh, this is on their side of town. Sally, why don't you go take this one? And they, they behind the scenes. This is one of those great things that you don't even have to have a great personality. And we got plenty of people in the church who can do that. <laughs> Yeah, but getting stuff done yeah. is one of the primary things I would think. And obviously, it's a people person. Do you want to be a people person, of course? But primarily, I mean, computer skills, if you're using yes. BibleStudyOffer.com or an Excel spreadsheet or something like that, that'd be really helpful. Yeah. Very rarely do churches have handwritten, uh, give them the mic, interest, but handwritten interest tracking. So, yes, they're going to need, in most cases, to be able to use a computer, unless it's a very small church. And they're doing stuff on a pad of paper. But otherwise, they're going to need to be able to use a computer 
And the, the piece of the interest coordinator that is, that is least often considered is the interest coordinator actually having a concern for whether or not the interests are being followed up. So that if, if an interest coordinator is doing anything, it's just recording. And that, that's what they view as their job. And so, oh, I'm, I like being a behind-the-scenes person. I'm just going to record this. But you want somebody who's got a bit of a soul-winning burden. If you can find somebody who is organized and has an interest in making sure things are followed up because you want them to actually be double-checking those things. There's also the Bible school coordinator. And there to recruit and train people. So, I mean, it's a good one-two punch. Mm -hmm. So then, follow him with that question. Then, and you're talking about putting them on the list. Bible study often requests consent. We got a lot of them. But once they found out we're coming to their house, it's like, oh, sorry, I'm not interested in this. Those don't belong lists. Well, they're in the list on BibleStudyOffer.com. But you don't. But you don't have to transfer that to a interest full interest list. Um, I will say, you know, ultimately, if you get a ton of Bible study requests and then only a certain percentage continue giving or taking Bible studies after the first couple, then you wouldn't probably put into your interest database the ones that are just kicking the tires and have never never responded to a Bible study. Yeah. Has anything happened to the website? <laughs> this is follow-up. It is, right. Follow-up to the follow-up to the follow-up. Go ahead. Has anything been done to the Bible study offer? You've got two more minutes. So that you can put comments in? That's being worked on right now. Okay. Because that was frustrating. It would be really good to be able to put a comment in so you can go back in later and say, oh yeah, that was the first thing. So here's, so let me just say a word about BibleStudyOffer.com. It was developed as a portal to get Bible study requests. It was not developed as an interest tracking software. Everybody wants it to be an interest tracking software because those are the only interests they're working with. But the truth is, you should have interests coming from your health ministry, coming from your children's ministry, coming from various other ministries besides BibleStudyOffer.com in which case you would be transferring things from Bible Study Offer into a database that has all your interests, okay? Having said that, because of the great demand, um, we are looking on the back end at having a way to track like which Bible study they're on, just some simple tracking, and be able to perhaps put notes. But other than that, it's not going to be an elaborate type of thing. Okay, there was a hand. Okay, now hold on. Let, okay. I'm going to interpose here. We're going to structure this a little bit. Now, Brad, <laughs> you had your hand up first. Well, he asked when you were not available. I know, but then I, anyway. What I want to do is I'm going to acknowledge you so you guys don't have me do this the whole time. And I had your, I saw your hand. John, I saw your hand. And I saw your hand. Remind me your name again? Heather. Now, who, uh, I don't know between Heather, between you two, who had the hand up? Okay, well, if nobody else saw, I'm just going to go here, so I'm going to go boom, 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 like that right now. And I'll not acknowledge hands, and I'll call when I see your hand up. Go ahead and say When I see your uh, your hand up, I'll let you know so that you don't have to hold it up the whole time. And I'll try to, we'll try to go over there. So, is that now working? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were. Yeah, okay. Didn't know you were All right, Brad, what's your question? How do you get trained to do Bible studies? 
What do you mean by properly? Because you have Bible workers right. who are trained to do Bible work and other stuff. So how do you train to become a Bible worker? Because you know you have voluntary Bible workers and you have paid by Bible workers. Okay. So how do you be trained to do Bible work? Okay. We, Emmanuel Institute, used to run a four-month training program. I, the first one I was aware of was when Amazing Facts ran their program in the Black Hills, and it was called Black Hills Mission College. It was an Amazing Facts school with Louis Torres. And then that split off to become AFCO, and Pastor Torres continued his program. And then that turned in, you had Rise, and then you had Annie Rise. We are the transition from Rise when they moved to California. And so you had these four-month programs, and basically the program consisted of you come to the program, uh, they vary. Three, you know, we did a, we didn't do a complete four months. Anyway, there's reason. But in that program, part of it was to have a full evangelistic series. And the basic setup was you're going to come to the program. You're going to get some in-class training about how to go knock on doors, how to find interest, how to give Bible studies. And then in the evenings on outreach days, you're going to start going and giving Bible studies. And your outreach coordinator is going to work with you and the staff instructors. And so for four months, you're going in and out of Bible studies. Uh, you're getting, you're coming back and reviewing in class how things are going. Leading up to an evangelistic meeting, you're inviting all those people you're studying with to come to the meeting. Some do, some don't. You go through the evangelistic meeting, you work in different frames. And anyway, that's a, it's like a field school. Um, Emmanuel does not do that anymore for one reason being that uh, we shifted our focus to wanting to work more intentionally in our churches, and there are other schools that do do that. AFCO, I talked to Karen Batchelor yesterday, because the word is, oh, AFCO doesn't do this, they don't exist anymore. Not true. They're doing their program online right now, not permanently, but because they're building a new facility for training, and it isn't done yet. And so in the interim, they have online classes. We've done online classes with the Audioverse, but all that said, all we did with our students is taught them, we spent more time than we did here teaching the basics. And when I say more time, we spent an hour here and we spent six hours there. Six hours, that's what we did. And after that, you're knocking on doors, you're getting into Bible studies. And we had lab classes where you would get together with other students in the class and you just practice giving studies and we would be there to give pointers. The ideal is that every church would be a training school for Christian workers. And that pastors and elders would be able to train their members, and you'd have that available in your local church, and they could do the coaching and stuff in the local church. That's what we're looking to do and to accomplish. The best teacher for giving Bible studies is giving Bible studies. We get done with our programs. Ellen White says in the book, Education, it is in the water and not on land that men learn to swim. And there's so much you can say in a classroom that just doesn't translate to you getting out and doing it, and I remember students would go get to the end of our 14-week program that we had, and they'd say, oh, if we just had another month, if we just had another couple weeks. And I remember we thought about and discussed about should we lengthen the program, but it became very evident to us that what would do far more for them is just getting out and doing the work. So pointers and training is important. It needs to be happening in the local church. It's not complicated stuff. That's what we're doing with the training in District 6 and beyond. That's what we're trying to accomplish here is to start to make that available. We currently will come 
If your church said, hey, we need training, we'll come and do training for a weekend and we can give you six hours of how to give Bible studies. And then after that, you got to give Bible studies. And I would practice if I were a church member and I didn't know how to give Bible studies well, I'd find another church member. I'd say, hey, Sabbath afternoon, instead of going and taking a nap, why don't we get together and sit down and practice Bible studies? We'll give a, I'll give a study to you, you give a study to me. And the more you do that, you're going to find that you become more proficient at it. You want to add to that? Um, no, that's good. The only thing in, separate from that is that we are working. There's, there's different reasons that people don't give Bible studies. There is the reason of they don't know how, they've not experienced it, they don't know the tips, they don't know the process, they don't know the methodology. That um, is something that we cover in a manual and these weekends that Mark mentioned. But we're right now working on the second reason, which I have found to be perhaps the primary reason that people don't give Bible studies. They don't feel confident about what they believe, they, don't, they have questions about certain things, they feel like they're not solid on certain topics, and so they hesitate to think that they can do that. So that's why we're working on the Bible Study Handbook, which is going to be a training guide for local churches to use uh, kind of on an ongoing basis in each topic. It will walk through the main points of each study, explain um, you know, how those points are drawn from the text, and then give the common answer, answers to common questions on each topic. And that can be used for a training program. But that's something that we're in the process of working on and won't be ready till probably the same time next year. But the key point I was trying to make is don't get the idea that somebody who is a conference Bible worker or a professional Bible worker had all kinds of extensive training. The reality is it's not, there's not this extensive training that goes on. The most of the training they have is probably a program like we talked about or else they just started giving Bible studies and they have some experience doing it. And... Churches will say, okay, you had experience for six months here or there. There's not an invasive training that goes on uh, for the most part. And when the Lord gave the Bible study method to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, uh, Elder Haskell invited people to a Bible reading institute. It was the first training program on giving Bible studies. It was 10 days. And he basically said anybody, men, women, young, old, you can all come because anybody who can read the scriptures and tell what God has done for them can give a Bible study. So it's not a complicated type of thing. And we will be doing another Emmanuel 10-day program. We don't have the date set. It's either February or March of this next year. And it's full. It's not evenings. It's full on for, it'll probably be more like a nine-day over, over basically a week and, and two weekends. But keep posted on our site. Um, Cameron and I have talked about it. We've not nailed it down yet as far as timelines go. Yes. Is, is this a, a follow-up question or a separate question? Well, I guess it's kind of follow-up. Would it be appropriate to do um, Bible study training in a Sabbath school? Sure. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> it's not only appropriate. If you go to alive.adventist.org, you'll find a sample Sabbath school mission program outline. And we have what I'm referring to as the mission funnel of the mission program. It starts with the global perspective, what they're doing over there, and we want to make sure to pray for and pay for all the work of outreach overseas. Then we also have local testimonies. We need to hear what's going on in our own conference, our own local churches, and that kind of thing. But mission doesn't end with what they're doing or even what we're doing. 
Mission has to include what am I doing? Personal ministry training. And the sample mission program outline includes a little section for every week of the plenary program in your Sabbath school time for personal ministries training. Okay? Now, how do you do that every single week? Well, there are personal ministries training guides called GROW training guides that are available at alive.adventist.org. And there are accompanying, if you desire to use them instead of teaching them yourself, you can use the guide and teach them yourself, use them as handouts in the Sabbath school program, put them in inserts in the bulletin or something. Or, and or I should say, I always use those, but you can have a video presentation, a little four and a half or so minute video presentation on that day's training all of which are currently available at alive.adventist.org, and I also think we're making them available on michigansspm.org. So, for instance, if you go to michigansspm.org, let's say that you're running your, your Sabbath school superintendent, and you want to put on a dynamic mission program, we have collected all of the global mission reports, the mission spotlights are there. We also have made uh, a good number of, and we're going to continue to make, local Michigan conference, what we're calling Grow Testimonies, like Grow Michigan, Grow Testimonies. And then you're going to find the Michigan, uh, the uh, Grow Personal Ministries training video series and the accompanying PDF bulletin inserts. So all of those global, local, and personal ministries missionary activity resources are currently available both at Adventist Alive, I mean, uh, sorry, alive.adventist.org, and we've collected all those GC and put them together with Michigan Conference resources at michigansspm.org. Just go click on resources and you'll find those are the very first things you're there. So not only is it okay, but we would expect that there's going to be missionary training in the Sabbath school because Mrs. White is very clear. Every church should be a school for mission workers, right? I didn't say it right. Okay. Christian, Christian workers. workers. So, and this is the Discipleship Handbook. Chapter 25 has a how to give Bible studies. Okay, so we encourage the churches to use this. It gives the whole picture of how Bible studies fit within the cycle of evangelism. It also gives how to give Bible studies. And those of you who use BibleStudyOffer.com, there's a whole leader training section in BibleStudyOffer.com handbook that, that talks about how to follow up a BibleStudyOffer.com Bible study how to give a personal Bible study, how to give a group study, that's all in there as well. So there are materials that your local church can do if they wanted to do something locally. All right. Heather, your question. Okay. Um, I don't want, you know, I don't want to ask the person who did their interest towards the from conversations in the board, she seems to think that if the Bible study offers up a common that's that's where her job stops. Mm -hmm. How do we convince her that it's more than just that? It's anything that generates interest, whether it's from the personal ministries or... She may just not be aware. A lot of our churches have not really had functioning interest coordinators, and it wouldn't surprise me if they got one because of Bible study offer, and they may not be aware of what that job entails. They might need to do some education. Yeah, if I could just weigh in real briefly. In the beginning of BibleStudyOffer.com, when we had coordinators sign up, it was not, they were not necessarily the interest coordinator of the church. So this very well, person may very well be correct that they, that they are the BibleStudyOffer.com coordinator. Yes. Because there is in the church manual a Bible school coordinator, 
And then there's an interest coordinator. So she may be more the Bible school coordinator. Um, I don't know, officially, you would have to see. But if she's the interest coordinator, then you're right, it would entail everything. Also, while I completely agree with everything my brother say up here, always, always, implicitly, <laughs> Bible study <laughs> offer for a lot of churches is the only place where they have interest tracking. <laughs> and so, why couldn't you just make them a Bible? Like, I got this through a supper club. Well, sign them up with Bible study offer, and they're getting the same it is written. They can make them a Bible study offer interest, no problem. And just use it as your interest tracking for them. Because it would be great if you had a Bible school coordinator where they were there uh, manning the booth out front, and they had to make sure all the literature is together. They were recruiting all the follow-up people. That's a whole job just for the Bible school. Then you could have the interest coordinator would have a separate list of interests, and they would make sure to give reports to the board and keep all the statistics on it and whatnot. But in a lot of churches, you don't have that much personnel. And so if there's one person who's doing stuff, and they don't, I mean, if they know how to run Bible study offer, I'll give you an example. At Camp Asable this year, and they did it last year, and we're going to try to improve it every year, but... You know, they had all these new decisions for baptism. We hear about the hundreds of decisions that are made for baptism up at camp by children. But does that mean that they're ready to be baptized right now because they said they love Jesus, which they great, they love Jesus, but they need to be, become a member of the church. They need to understand our beliefs. They need to, there's more to it. They need to be prepared for baptism, right? And so what they do in the past is they've always just mailed literal snail mail cards, those decision cards, to the respective churches to the pastor of that respective church for follow-up. And that's where it breaks down. Because you'll have hundreds of decisions and dozens of baptisms. Now, many of them aren't ready for that. You know, that's fine, and we're glad for the interest. But a lot of it is just the, it's just washed out in the follow-up, right? And so we came up with the idea, why couldn't we make those Bible study offer interests, right? BibleStudyOffer.com interests. And then, so the local church would get them automatically, hey, but we classify them as a camp decision. And so you make sure to use a children's Bible study with them, but still have a lay person. And that way it would go through the process of using the tool we already have. Now there's pros and cons of that. I'm not saying it's a perfect solution, but you're right. It could have more interest tracking features, but there's plenty of features people aren't using on Bible study offer right now. I mean, active or inactive. I mean, we see, it's not like, oh, I would use it more if it was more robust and had more commentary allowed. People aren't even clicking the box of whether they've been visited at all. You know what I'm saying? So I would say, yes, it could be made more robust, but for the time being, use what you got, and it's better than nothing. I don't know if that's a really spiritual sounding answer, but... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, we were coming over here. Well, I just want to clarify, we get off into Bible study offer, but interest coordinator is you want to clarify if that's what that person understands they're doing. Maybe they're the Bible school coordinator. If it is interest coordinator, they might need to have a little bit more information as to what that job is. They may just not be aware that they are to track other interests. And I could be talking with that individual, talking with elders or pastors and getting that clarified. Uh, it sounds to me like it's probably just a matter of clarification. Again, from our experience of people just not knowing, like I said, a lot of I would dare say we're lucky to have 25% of our churches that have interest coordinators. Oh, yeah. So they they don't even know what, many people don't even know what an interest coordinator is supposed to do. So in fact, I mean, that could be something that we could work on trying to make that more clear Clear. as to what what that role is. That's a good idea. Um, John, question. Thinking about the question about the pastor who is the interest coordinator. Yes. 
that's somehow connected with the uh, pastor dependence, uh, pastor centered. Likely, you know what I'll bet as we're talking. I don't know if it's a result it of it or not, but it certainly contributes to it. See what I'm saying? It's like it's not. You've got to be doing be because everyone, but it facilitates it. Sure. I but. wouldn't be surprised if that may not be the same situation when we set up Bible study offer. What happens? The church doesn't have a coordinator, and the pastor gets made the yep. coordinator, and there could be some confusion right. as to whether you're talking about the interest coordinator or the Bible study offer coordinator, which are two different things. Right. I don't know who's next, but you're coordinating. Yes. Oh, I have a question about the interest coordinator. Yes. If our, our church has a Bible work and in talking with the pastor, I kind of got the idea that he thought that she was the interest coordinator. That wasn't actually said, but I kind of got that idea that he thinks she's the one that's supposed to assign people to the Bible studies. Is that something that we should do, or should we have a a separate person that does interest coordinator. I honestly don't, I, from my standpoint, I don't care who the interest coordinator is. I wouldn't want it to be the pastor because I think that is just feeding that pastor-centered whole thing. But I think, and I and I probably wouldn't want it to be an elder either because they've got other responsibilities. And like Jim and Chair the other day, they're like, well, I can't get around and visit. i got all these interest coordinators. So I don't want that excuse. Um, interest coordinator is, a, is not a complicated job. And from a perspective of just trying to get your members involved in stuff, it's a kind of job that I wouldn't want your pastor or elders doing when somebody else who may not be doing something could be doing it. But I don't, as far as, again, you're just, you're just keeping track of interest. So who, if the Bible worker the church hires does it, my only concern with that is Bible workers are usually temporary, so they're going to be there and then they're going to be gone. And then, well, it's the pastor's wife. Then you'll have an interest coordinator as long as the pastor's there. Um, it's hard to say without knowing the situation of your church why. Because some churches will tell me that I've had some people, oh, well, the pastor's doing everything. It's because he asked 15 people in the church, and they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So it's hard to know what's going on there in every church. But um, I don't know if you want to comment. I Just to say that that's not totally abnormal, only because the Bible worker ends up, when you hire a Bible worker, their only job, essentially, is to work with interests and to work with members to work with interests. So they're, you know, if they're not coordinating, then what are they doing, you know? I think that, um, theoretically, that should be the reason why your church is generating a significant increase in interest, but it isn't always the case. It's just that that by worker sometimes ends up just being the only one who uh, really handles the interest. Now they may be handing them off to members. She's getting people involved. And I think it's a good idea if she wants to do it. It just needs to be established and said she is the interest coordinator. She should well, that should be clear at the church board. In other words, right. this she needs it, to be there. I don't ha I, personally. I wouldn't have a problem who did it if I'm getting regular reports at the board on the interest. We're getting them assigned, and that job is getting done. Yep. My problem with the pastor is if it, it's probably going to hinder him from doing something else. But if it doesn't, great. The, the point is, I've been in too many churches where there isn't that happening. 
Interest coordinators should be once a month at the board, once a month talking about who the interests are and assigning visits and that kind of thing. And so, and I think it comes down again to, are there more interests than just Bible study interests? Because more than likely, those are all Bible study interests. So there is sometimes a need to keep your strong health interests and other interests, and that's where you just want to make sure that if that person's the interest coordinator, that they're in, in capturing all yeah. of the interests. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, was there another question? Rich. Bible study offer should, um, who, as the interest coordinator, who should she or he have as a go-to list and how, how do you get on that list or how do you stay off that list? You don't stay off the list. You could. But um, if you, and I would encourage anyone who's involved with BibleStudyOffer.com to do a very rare thing and read the manual. Um, one of the things that it will walk through in there is the importance of recruiting. You know, one of the first steps is to talk about the significance of Bible study ministry to get the church inspired and a sense that it is a calling of the church to be involved in Bible study ministry, and then to recruit people who are willing to be involved in the Bible study ministry. Then you have a Sabbath or a couple of Sabbaths where you go through the training in the, in the manual with those leaders, and then you've got a list of Bible study leaders that are ready if a request comes in. And then the Bible study coordinator is going to just, you know, if an interest comes in, they look at where they're at, if it's male or female, and they just sort of, you know, make a decision about who to give the next Bible study request to. That's where you have the difference between that and the interest coordinator. The interest coordinator isn't really designating those by himself or herself. You're coming to the church board where the Bible study coordinator is going to look over that list and know who the team is and say, okay, you may have a couple suggestions for this interest that came in, who's going to run on that and that kind of thing. Yeah, you've got two weeks. Yeah, but that needs to be understood by the study leaders. That's part of the training. You know, this is within two weeks. So when we give you this, you have two weeks to follow it up. Yeah. And everybody should want to be on that list. Right? Yes. Yes, so um, I think we talked to you're out of state, right? And if you can provide the, what's that? I was going to say, is it on the site or? Well, that's what I was going to say. I don't, I would have to explain. But you, you have the five things that you need in order to get signed up. So if you emailed that to me and it got you signed up, once you're able to log into the website on the back end, there are three tabs. One shows you any requests that came in. One shows you supplies you can order. And one of those is the manual. You can order printed manuals if you want. Or the third thing is resources, and it's also in a PDF, so you can print it out or email it if you want. So that's available in two forms on the back end of the website. But you can't get into the back end of the website until you have an account. Yeah. 
Okay, Rich. So I've seen in our church where you get these Bible study offers coming, and you come up front and they say, "Hey, who wants to take these?" Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's probably not the best no. way to do something because um, you have people that you don't necessarily want to get Bible studies. By themselves, at any rate. Somebody talked to me about that the other day, and I think it's important. You know, you'll hear us talk a lot about how anybody can give a Bible study. I would say that's 95% true. I'd say there are probably a handful of people that probably wouldn't even be competent. Most people could become competent, but you need a little bit of experience. And so, yeah, I would want experienced people to take inexperienced people with them. I wouldn't want just people from the floor because that might you might just get somebody who's inexperienced and I wouldn't have them be the one to run on that. That's that's so why if, if they haven't been trained first, if you didn't have the process to train and then have a list of trained people, then you'd have a problem. Yes. Well, <laughs> I think it's pretty it's self-evident. True. It's like, hey, we had a new Bible study interest. Going once, going twice. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. That's terrible. I mean, it's, you know it happens. <laughs> I know it happens, but I also know it's terrible. And the reasons for that, again, are so self-evident. What if a non-member comes up? What if the one crazy person, right, who you know is going to take the hand, and now you've get, put yourself in a position where you're like, all right, I'll do it. There's one. Oh, I'm sorry, not you. That will never happen. That's never going to happen. So you're just going to give it to the worst. Po- you know, it's just the worst possible scenario, right? <laughs> It really is. There's a reason. People talk about that in the nominating committee. Why don't we do that with church offices and everything? Why don't you just do the people, what they feel so inclined to do? Who wants to serve as an elder this year? Yeah, anybody up there, elder? Lunacy, right? But we do that with Bible study interest for some ridiculous reason. I can't possibly imagine why. But that's why the job of the interest coordinator includes, right? It's because we're not taking the time to meet and organize. Yes, assisting the pastor and chairperson of the personal ministries council in enlisting and recruiting qualified members for follow-up service. So you got to enlist them and then recruit them, which I'm not sure those are different, right? But basically you're seeking them out in conjunction with the pastor, the person. You're supposed to think together who would be good leaders. Then you go seek them out and then you train them. And then when they come in, you assign them, right? But you don't just do the open forum open market thing. It's just not a good idea. That's just my two cents on it. And the training is, we're talking a Sabbath or two. Simple. It's not elaborate. Yeah, I mean, look at the training manual. It already outlines. Here's the things you need to know. Make sure you have your little uh, materials with you. And I mean, it's very simple. Because also, sorry, most, I mean, when I say most, I'm talking 95 plus percent of the Bible study offer interests that come in are going to be what we would call drop-off Bible studies. They think of it, the classification is personal, but that means personal by myself, not with other people, right? Most people aren't clicking one-on-one or small group option. They want to just have it delivered to them so they can do it. So the training that's required to do a drop-off Bible study can take, I mean, minutes. Now, you can do a drop-off poorly, and you can do it well, but the difference is, I mean, it's so simple to get to being a good drop-off Bible study host. I mean, this is so simple that... Qualified and trained sounds so highfalutin, but like, here's your materials. Make sure you hold it like this. Identify yourself. Hi, I'm with BibleStudyOffer.com. I've, it's so simple. 
That could be part of the personal ministries training thing. They could say, all right, everybody in the room is now trained. I wouldn't say that either. But, but in all seriousness, the training level to do a drop-off Bible study is so small that you could be seeking out those people, preparing them, so that when an interest comes in, they can be assigned and ready to go. And putting together that list has two parts. One is the brief training, but the other is that there may be people that you know that you don't want on that list. Yep. Okay, so that way you are filtering it, and then, then you have an actual list. Because if you, if you do like mass training, okay, everybody in here, you're now trained, so we're putting you all on the list, and you know that Bob over there is an anti-Trinitarian, and uh, you know, yep. Sally's still smoking, you know, behind the church and whatever. There are certain things that would make you maybe not quite uh, suited for that right now. So it enables you to filter through that list, make sure that you only put people that are prepared to do it, and then have them go through that training. And you got an actual list. Okay, so Rick and then Rich and then back here in this corner. Um, yeah. Talking about the church service organization. Okay. One of the things you had in your notes was about music. Yes. And reading the, uh, the one about the gorgeous apparel, fine singing, and instrumental music. Mm -hmm. And if you're streamlining your service, give me an example of what your service is like, or maybe you didn't have that before you yeah. did this. Okay. But uh, would you cut special music? Oh, I've toyed with it. Um, or you could, I mean, I've thought about why couldn't you streamline it and make, because you already have a special music when they collect the offering. Why couldn't you do special music as the offertory? But I've heard people push back against that. No, because they'd be distracted. You need to focus on what's going on. And let me be clear. I, I put those in there because most of the time when we talk about music, we lift it up to this lofty level that it is just as equal with the sermon. And there are statements Ms. White makes about the importance of music and the power of song and the congregational singing. So I'm not against music. Let's be clear. But she herself gave testimony where you have a hymn and another hymn and a whole block of singing. And she was saying, come on, let's move along. And so I would not be opposed to seeing some of those streamlined initiatives, though I guarantee you're going to run into some people who will be. But I've tried to experiment with it before to some mixed success. But... The second thing yeah. I have is, you know, we're all worried about interest and coordinators and everything else. Why that be solved if you get people to have a feeling of wanting to be served? So maybe how do you get them to want to be served? What have you done in your churches to encourage that? There it is. It is. <laughs> well, um... From a pastor's standpoint, and I'm, this is not the, <laughs> I'm just putting this oh, back no. here. Oh, okay, yeah, exactly. Not everyone is going to have this ability, but from a pastor's standpoint, from a pastor's standpoint, um, you know, we will preach. I mean, there is one of the best ways to shape the culture of your church is in through your preaching. And so the preaching needs to be spirit-filled preaching that helps people to understand not only the privilege of service, but the calling of God for service. Um, one of the things that our people are woefully uh, um, unmindful of is the wealth of Bible and Spirit of Prophecy evidence that we are all called to not only be involved in some generic way, but to actually share the truth with others. Um, 
Ellen White actually says that the devil is constantly trying to keep people from doing their part in sharing the truth so that they'll be weighed in the balances and found wanting. Um, so it's a very serious thing, and there needs to be education on that kind of thing. So there's got to be inspiration in the in the communication that comes from the pulpit. That's that's what I would say first and foremost. Okay, well, get in the pulpit. But let me interject with the, with the preaching. <laughs> preaching sure. is you've got two elements I like to point out. You've got conviction and inspiration. There are a lot of pastors and elders who just want to give inspiration. Want everybody, you don't want anybody going away and saying, wow, that was how you read those statements where Ellen White says you need to be born again. You need to be converted anew and baptized anew if you're not active in winning soul. What? You know, and so, oh, the pastor didn't want to say it, the elders didn't. And there's an element of that communication that has to bring conviction to the saints that this isn't just an optional thing that, okay, we should go. No, if you're not doing this, you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. You look at discipleship. You look at scripture. Jesus called people to be, he says, come follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. If you're not a fisher of men, you aren't following him. And that has to be clear with the saints. And a lot of times, I know pastors and elders are like, well, I don't want to say that to them. And I'm going to tell you, then you're going to preach all this. What you're going to get is, well, it sure would be nice if you could come out and help us. I mean, we're going to pass out some books, and if you could find a little time this afternoon, or maybe next Sabbath, and fit it on your calendar in between. I know you got a picnic and stuff like that. You get five minutes you can give us, and we're begging them. I think that's one of the reasons that we're not getting that. We've been bombarded with don't guilt them into evangelism. Right. So everybody's very hesitant to want to say anything that would have conviction. Also, there's a whole other part of the church besides just the worship service. There's the Sabbath school. And then you have the Sabbath school, if it was focused on mission the way that it should be. If we were hearing those alive. words. Yes, it, it should be alive. And there should be not only the inspiration, but the training that goes along with it, the practical application. The perspiration. Of it. The perspiration, <laughs> the anticipation, the, the participation. Oh, sorry. All right. But... Think about it. If, if, if every Sabbath school class had an outreach project, if they were hearing global mission reports, if they were getting personal ministries training, if they were all, all of these testimonies were being heard and this funds were being raised, you couldn't help but know that we're about the mission. But when you don't have that in your Sabbath school, and then on top of it, people don't even attend the Sabbath school that you do have, right? they don't even get the glance of the 13th Sabbath offering project on the back of the quarter. There's no thought of mission at all. And then we don't come for the analysis, we don't hear the testimonies, we don't, and we come in late, and all we want from the sermon is a good piece of inspiration, a little self-help module or something like this. No wonder people aren't stirred with the love for the lost and a sense of burden for the work, right? Because they don't go to the things where those things happen. So I would say build a robust Sabbath school mission program, promote Sabbath school, build up Sabbath school, and deploy missionaries from there. And then the worship service, you could have reflections given, uh, testimonies of how that worked in the worship service. You could have mission, uh, uh, you could have preaching that would preach inspiration and conviction on these things and use that pulpit. By the way, a lot of the times it's not the pastor who's in the pulpit. You've got elders in the pulpit. If you have a conviction, you probably, you know, you might be at a church that doesn't have a lot of opportunity for the elder to preach. I don't know, but I guarantee you a whole lot of churches in Michigan, there's a lot of lay preaching going on. If this is a burden on your heart, preach it, teach it. Anyway, it can happen. Yeah, I draw you back to our implementation guide, that mm -hmm. first section on awareness. You go through those things and do them in your church, and you will start an awareness, you will get an awareness going. And you can't help, you're talking about 
mission in the sermons, at the church board. You're taking your leaders through evaluation. If you do that, it's going to increase awareness. It's just going to happen. So it's just that we've, we've been working in District 6. We've been working for six months. We asked our pastors recently, how's it going? And we just had a really kind of a come-to-Jesus talk in a way about some of it. You know, guys are not hearing a lot of feedback. One of the pastors said, you know what? I, we, what we said is we've given you this implementation guide months ago. How's that going? And finally, one guy fesses up and he's like, I've just been too busy and I haven't done it. Well, don't tell me you haven't done this and then it doesn't work. Which he wasn't doing, but I'm just saying, I'm telling you, going through just even that first step uh, in, in, in that guide, it, you're going to see a difference. You will see a difference. But in some of your cases, you can't do it by yourself. You gotta, the pastor's got to be there and working together but, and be, being willing to cast that vision. Um, a brother brought to our attention, too, that one of the resources on alive.adventist.org, if you scroll down to the resources page, I'm not saying grow.adventist.org. Oh, I'm sorry, grow.adventist.org. That's the personal ministries page. Mm -hmm. Sabbath School is Alive, Grow is Personal Ministries. But one of the little handout booklets is literally titled Motivating Members for Mission, right? Or for Motivating witnessing. Members to Witness. Motivating Members to Witness is a little booklet about that. So you can see that. That's your um, website, Jim. You should have plugged that. Yeah, there it is. You scroll down, and there it is. So, probably some good ideas in there. It's the little book that was written about. <laughs> All right, very good. Now, Rich, I saw your hand back here. What was your name? Craig. Craig. And then, did you have? Am I? Okay, Rich. Uh, my question has to do with what's being about setting up, even signing up. But we had a member that was concerned about uh, safety, and that. Uh, being in a big city, there are uh, criminal elements out there, and they were looking for some filtering of the requests out there. They just need to send you to those, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that, that was, uh, he was asking that before, before the, uh, uh, they're assigned a Bible study that somebody should, you know, do a quick Google search on the name or something like that. Is that anything? Yeah. Is that a thought? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you can he doesn't have a microphone. Your, so, your yeah. follow up people into like height and dimension and that kind of thing. It's like <laughs> if you're six foot three and 250 pounds, you can take that Bible study. If you, I mean, it sounds a little bit facetious, but when the, the information comes in from a Bible study offer request, it already tells you uh, a certain amount about it. For instance, you know whether they're male or female, so you wouldn't send you know, inappropriate something there. And you do have a map of where they are. So if they have an interest coordinator, Bible school coordinator, or the BibleStudyOffer.com coordinator, should be able to look at that and hopefully have a structure in place. Usually, I would think the first thing would be geographically, okay? Here's where our study leaders are. And if there's someone who lives on that part of town, I'd assign them to that and then make sure after geography, make sure it matches with, you know, uh, you know, gender and all those kind of things. But there should be some planning as to who would be the best follow-up individual. That, that could be one of the considerations because I know that there's, you know, and being in Kalamazoo, I know that there was a part of town that not everybody was comfortable with, but there were some people who were like, yeah, I'm fine with that. It's great. I'll take one. And so you just kind of uh, use some common sense in assigning them. Or make sure they know what they're going into when you give it to them. Just say, hey, this one is in this part of town, and you know, it should be fine. Um, you can't take questions. I'm sorry. Order, I'm, I'm so Hold on, sorry. Brad. We'll get to you. I'm so sorry. 
Oh, he okay. said it's not a question. But it's not a speech? <laughs> all right, all right. I just got to clarify that. This morning, we talked about how we should um, be used no matter where God leading us to go. Yes. And it's not a question of which area or how it is. It's just a matter of what where God tells us to go. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody that has a Bible interest. It shouldn't be a question of safety because the pastors or the Bible workers that were used, the missionaries that were used in the industry, and the uh, illustrations just pointing, they went to Cannibal, Cannibal Islands mm-hmm. where they got killed and ate right as soon as they got on the island. <laughs> Don't tell that to <laughs> That could be part of the training. <laughs> exactly. Many of you will die. Okay? You should not where God is leading you. If God has got a place that people need preaching, I would agree. I would agree with that eighty percent. But here's what I would say: you, when you're, if you're coordinating and you have a whole church of people, there are certain people you won't send into certain situations. That doesn't mean you won't go at all. Um, we didn't talk about it. In fact, somebody mentioned this to me yesterday. I mean, there are all, there are several different things you want to keep in mind. I would pair people up when they're going somewhere to study. I would not have. Um, a man studied with a single woman. You're just asking for trouble in this day and age. All anybody has to do is say anything, whether it happened or not. You've just got different parameters. You've got parents or young people, and you've got certain neighborhoods that you might, if somebody's concerned, I'm not going to tell them, hey, you know, buck up and be a Christian and go and give that study. Uh, you've got people in the church who will. And so I don't think, I think it takes, as Jim said, a little bit of, you know, wise discrimination as to who's going to, or discernment as to who's going to go where, um, you know, it is possible in this day and age that somebody could just fill out a card and say, I'm going to get somebody. So sending people as teams is one part, so they're not going alone. I think that's important. And if, it's a, if, it, if there's suspicion that it's not going to behave, then you'll probably have certain people that you send in those situations as opposed to others. Having said that, I don't know that I'm aware of having any incident as of this point in with Bible study offer. I'm not heard. Have we got any? We would have heard, I think. Our daughter was doing Bible study offer, and she just dropped off. the Did the gunfire hit the offer leader? Okay, so that's not an incident. Maybe they just had the volume turned up on the TV set. Exactly. Amen. We're good. She'd still keep going. All right. Shots firing. That's right. great. That's I a testimony right there. Craig's been waiting for a little bit. Okay. And then see. I saw your hand, John. Craig? Is Bible study offer available in Canada? It is. It is now it is now available in Canada. What is that? That was a great question and a great now, answer. Now like as in <laughs> is this like a brand new thing? Uh well it's not brand new. But in Maybe a few months ago, we had interest from Canada, and the programmers set it up, and it's good to go. So in his local church... So if your local church wanted to get involved with BibleStudyOffer.com, you would need to email me right now, because we don't have the page up yet, with certain information, and we would get your church set up with an account. And then it's a local church ministry from that point. Which is something that churches outside of Michigan need to be clear about because some of them think, oh, I'm going to sign up for this thing. And then whenever we get interest, there's some central place that's going to mail, you know, like, like we're, uh, it is written and we're sending them to them. No, 
if an interest comes in, you, you go and deliver the Bible studies. You order the Bible study lessons. You follow them up. Everything happens independent. The, the system is just there for you as an engine uh, to use. And the supplies are all, um, right now, purchased out of the Lansing ABC. They handle it for all over this country. And so at this point, I would say, you know, other than the fact that you're going to have some extra postage, it's still, we're still sticking with just the Michigan uh, Supply Center. Also, one thing, like, I don't know anything about your church except you are here from it, okay? And one of the concerns, and I think that's going to be addressed in the sign-up portal or whatever it's going to be for the Bible study offer thing is that it, let's say that one person from a local church, a church of 100 members or something, comes to one of these trainings. They get really on fire. They say, we're going to do Bibles, and they sign up their church, but the rest of the church doesn't know it's coming, right? So one of the elements that I'm recommending that would be in that form is that you take an explanatory, uh, you, you explain it to the church board or the elders or some group who could be behind it and say, yes, we as a church want to partner with BibleStudyOffer.com. Because if you do it, you get the resources, get it all going, and you start advertising, you put up a billboard app or something, you're going to get Bible study interests. And then you're going to be the interest coordinator, you're going to be the follow-up. You didn't, you know, you got to, it takes a team approach. Even though you do have a coordinator, it needs to be a recognized ministry of the church that they're all partnering with. And so I'd encourage you to show the promotional video, explain it, give it to your pastor or elders, that kind of thing. So it's not just you having a great idea. Because what happens if you flame out or something happens or whatever. And now Bible study interests who are in that area are going to get assigned to that church and they're not going to get any follow-up. And that doesn't help at all. So, okay. Uh, John, I saw your hand up. Just thinking about the uh, uh, wisest servants part of this uh, Psalms passage. He didn't speak on the wisest servants part of uh, that part of the verse so much this morning at the uh, early morning meeting. Okay. And I, I don't know about you, but if I'm a snake, I'm not going to get stepped on if I don't have to be. All right. And so, there's a place for both. Yes. We certainly want to. Uh, uh, what did Jesus. Well, I'll hold off on that thought. Well, I mean, yeah, there, there does need to be discernment. I mean, the serpent is a representation of Satan, who is more crafty. I mean, and it's not often he's like, you should be like in this one area, though. He's like, you're wise as her, but harmless as doves, pure and holy with gracious. But, I mean, even Paul said, being cunning, I caught you with guile. What did he mean by that? You know, I think that we should be judicious. We should lay out careful plans and strategies to, uh, to a missionary who is going overseas uh, to Africa for the first time. This is White Council. Don't make the first thing you say, hi, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I believe in the non-immortality of the soul, the Seventh-day Seventh. She said, just slow down on that stuff first, right? Withholding information judiciously is a wise course in some cases. You know, so... There's a whole thing we could have about that, but I think Christ was looking for us to be more strategic. Which we will this afternoon. Oh, and we're going to get into that this afternoon. Amen. Praise the yes. Lord. Okay, I don't see another hand. Is there somebody else, Rich? Sorry. All right. Um, the manual's been around for a number of years, right? Which manual? <laughs> the church manual? Oh, E-Manual. 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 Yes, 2009. Yeah. And then so, it was arising um, from that. With our church, when I first heard about this and was talking with another elder, uh, we were pretty shocked at you know, how poorly our church was being run. 
And uh, so I really appreciate you you guys coming every year, presenting something, and reinforcing all these things that you should be doing. Uh, so, I mean, that's a... Sending you home with a burden of guilt and discouragement. <laughs> well, there, no, there's not. <laughs> but there is, so, you know, I mean, like, wow. I remember for an evangelistic series, and there was, like, talk of uh, uh, coordinator for that. And yes. it was, like, something I'd never heard before. And it made so much sense. And our, our evangelistic series suffered because of not having that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, what what kind of time frame would you think that it would take for a church to go from you know uh, doing things poorly to start to doing things right and see because oh, we've been through this. <laughs> well, we are we haven't been through this. We're going through this. That that's you know when Emmanuel Institute started, we had a rise here. It was just that four-month training program for Bible workers primarily. And that's one of the reasons we shifted our focus because that doesn't translate in many cases into the local church. In fact, we even had churches here. They'd send some person, sponsor them, pay their way. And it's great. We're they're going to go and they're going to get trained and then they're going to come back to our church and work. And then what would happen is we'd get offers and calls from different conferences and so they take a job as a Bible worker somewhere else. And then the church is like, we just sent them over there. But it wasn't, in most cases, impacting our, our own field here in Michigan. And so that's one of the reasons we said, let's start seeing what we can do. Because, well, on the other hand, you would have students who would come to Emmanuel and they would go back to their churches. And they're all on fire, but the church wasn't on fire. And they couldn't get the church on fire by themselves. And so we that's where we've been for years trying to figure how to shift that. And we've realized that training members go so far, but we've got to get into the churches and with the leaders. And so this whole District 6 thing is we are in the midst of trying to answer that question. How long should it take? Um, and we don't have a good answer yet. I mean, sometimes there's the how long does it take? How long is it taking? Does it need to take that long? Or are we not doing something right? But, um, yeah. did you uh, have something? Yeah. Cameron? Oh, he's got the mic. The Rich mic. has the mic. So I was just going to say, it's going to be a dialogue. If, well, if you're talking about, I can do this. if you're talking about how long does it take, it does not take long at all. Like if you have people who are willing and ready to learn, and they are... You mean how long could it take? Yes. I'm telling you in District but 6, I'm it telling does you, take. Yeah, what I'm saying is, it, the issue is not that it takes a long time to do it. That's right. It's that um, because of hindrances, or... Or even just to being able to, if the church would admit that, yeah, we need to fix this stuff, but in a lot of cases, it's like, oh, we don't know. It's gone fine. And that makes a huge difference on how the church sees the problem. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yes, Rich has a follow-up. Yeah, go ahead. Even just a church around, just kind of taking a quick survey of them. 
Now, what was that again? I missed that part, and I think I want to hear it. <laughs> there were other men, I mean, no conference, but it was six years, eight years ago, whatever, you know, that other pastors, you know, I was walking back to the campsite or whatever, and other pastors, you know, you asked other pastors about, you know, the church board, how, how that's supposed to run, order, what things, and they were like, yeah, but I really like to know where we are financially first. Did you catch their name? <laughs> could you spot like, them again? And like I said, can you pick them out of a line? Exactly, because we can arrange to have a lineup of pastors and we can have a conversation about it. Like I said, hindrances. I'll never forget it. Hindrances. And those hindrances are usually, you know, us, one way or another, you know. And so that's what we always have to find a way to manage. But if we would just be not just hearers, but doers of the word, you know, and in some cases, doers of the manual, <laughs> that's a word. would go a lot smoother. It's a word, not the word. Right. It's, it's a good a word. word. Mm -hmm. okay. I wish we had a better answer for you, Rich. We're working on it. But I'm trying to, in all seriousness, I'm trying to understand the sense of what you're saying. One of the frustrations you've seen is that pastors are not implementing some of these things that you have received in training, and the reasons you're hearing are things like, well, we're not financially ready yet, or we've tried that before. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what was the sense of the discouragement? It was because... More than this is the way they like Ah, that this is... I mean, that might be for that, but when I like to get into a church, I like to do this, and while I'm here, we're going to do it this way. That kind of thing. Right. I mean, it's, it's good and all, subtle. but not for here, not for now, not for me. Subtle rebellion. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really soft rebellion. Well, it's the, I mean, that's what we've been talking about this week. It's the condition that we're in now. This is, it's a whole mindset. It's not a thing that we're not doing. It's a thing that we're not realizing. It's, it's, we're not, we've lost our sense of mission in many, yeah. many cases. Yeah. And, and, and just uh, hearing questions coming throughout this week, you know, I know I'm, I'm an elder and a personal ministries leader. Amen. I was a Sabbath school yes. leader as well. You know, and, and you hear these things. Uh, I know, <laughs> I know the pain. I, I'm not sure how how people that are more delayed. How are they going to get the pressure up through there when you're healing? No, I'm going to tell you. I recommend you put Jennifer on it. <laughs> you will make things happen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Uh, amen. It's a last-ditch effort. Kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of waiting. Well, <laughs> His daughter. I like this. She's like, where can we get yeah, our own Jennifer? Right there. Yeah. Yeah. Can you come to our church next? Okay, well, that would be a thing. What if we had lay people who had gone through this and just go around giving their testimonies and saying, here's how you can motivate people. And I, you can't fire me. You can't get me in trouble. I'm just going to tell you from my testimony. I'm going to come into your church. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to start telling everybody, oh, by the way, yeah. you need to do this. You need to like a blasting team. I think we had, right I think oh, we had Tyler oh, no. here a while back. Tyler, did you have your hand up? Oh, yeah. Tyler, are you, are you raising your hand like a fifth grader? Or are you raising your hand like a college student? You know, or an adult. You know, adults, kids are like this. And then the older you get, it's kind of like, 
<laughs> well, it's because I don't want to interrupt anyway. But oh, you go. My question is, so I noticed the, you know, the, the whole uh, mission section of Sabbath School, you know, I saw yes. your nice little timeline of that and everything. Is there like a... No, no, I appreciate it. It's a cute little start. It was yeah. nice. It is nice. It's awesome. I'm with okay. you. Go ahead. So I'm wondering, um, I don't know if there's something in the church manual. Is there uh, you know, kind of like an outline for not only just that section, but you know, Sabbath school, church service, all this other kind of stuff? Yes. In the church manual, there's a couple of sample program outlines for the worship service. There isn't a sample outline for the Sabbath school program, but if you were to take the one that was provided at Sabbath school, uh, at alive.avis.org or Michigan SSPM, and marry it with some of the recommended church service formats. Because think about, um, were you in the Sabbath school? Okay. Okay, that's a really good comeback, though. Okay, you can be here, but if you were anywhere else. Okay, but uh, we need to start thinking about the Sabbath day and our corporate convocation part of that day as a single unit with two sides, like a coin with two sides, instead of saying there's this one program and then this other one competing against, so I can skip the one, because what happens is we put take all the good the stuff from prayer meeting, the mission stuff from Sabbath school, and we put it in the worship service, and we kind of talked about that at our Disturbing the Monotony um, thing the other day. So if you were to, I mean, think about it very simply. Most Sabbath schools start, let's say, generically around 9.30, and most church services end usually about 12.30 then you've got a three-hour block that it can evenly divide into an hour and a half for Sabbath school and an hour and a half for the worship service, okay? And obviously, there's some break time in between there, but in rough terms, okay? Then the Sabbath school, the foundation of Sabbath school is the Bible study and prayer element. You don't want to miss that. And in fact, a lot of Sabbath school teachers, you talk about the bully pulpit the pastors have, they have the opportunity to speak to people. In many churches, the Sabbath school teachers have more time to speak directly to the people than the pastor does, right? This is a fantastic opportunity to reiterate these great principles and really drive home the mission. But even within that, there still needs to be a plenary mission focus that has all this inspiring testimonies and training, and then you divide. So what we're recommending is that every church, again, adjusted time for your local circumstance, right? But generically, if you're 9.30 in the morning, you start with the uh, opening song. And I mean one stanza of the opening song. Good morning, friends. Our song this morning is going to be... And then you sing that song. And then you have, we're so happy you came to Sabbath school. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. And then as soon as that prayer says, amen, next thing you hear is, this is Mission Spotlight. And you open with that globe. And by the way, I, I would advocate bringing kids to that. They need to hear the mission stories, right? They need to be inspired about the the... the stories of what's going on and the miracles that God is doing around the world. And it only takes a few minutes. All of those mission spotlight things are less than five minutes long. And you put the put it in there and you can say, now friends, and the Sabbath school remarks, superintendent remarks, would just be basically emceeing the mission program. They're not giving a speech. And because a lot of times, one of the, I, mean, I can't say it. There's many reasons people don't go to Sabbath school. But one of them is that it's just a watered down, worse version of church service. Right? You have scripture, an opening tongue, a prayer, and the thing. And it's just a miniature thing. And then people are like, why do we even have this program? Let's go right to the... So they drop the whole thing, throw the baby out with the bathwater, get rid of the mission program altogether. And now you just go straight to your study classes. 
which is fine, but then they study the lesson instead of the Bible, and you've got all kinds of issues there too, and then the whole Sabbath school program is just an optional plenary uh, preliminary to the real thing, which is the worship service, right? And it just waters down and pushes away the Sabbath. I would say reinvigorate Sabbath school, make it what it's supposed to be, advertise that thing, promote it from up front, make little invitation cards, right? Have your Sabbath school small group gather around, take a picture together, put it on a card and say, this is our group, we study, invite your... I, I guarantee people don't even think about inviting people to Sabbath school. And I know it sounds heretical, but I'd say stop inviting people to church. Start inviting people to Sabbath school and invite them to stay for church, right? But Sabbath school, and, and I was thinking about this just this morning, and since I have a mic, I'm just going to keep talking. Do you, you notice that. You notice that. <laughs> I have a mic, too. <laughs> you do. Small. <laughs> then the... You know, you can be a member of a Sabbath school class without being a member of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Right? And so this is a fantastic transition between non-member and church member. Invite people to the Sabbath school group because there's that small group fellowship format where you can get to know people on a more intimate level. You can open the Bible around a table or around the, you know, chairs and talk about it and study a, a lesson. They can go home and say for themselves, right? And then transition them into the life of the church through the Sabbath school function. That's the program is for. And then they can hear about these exciting missionary stories. And what is this message we're studying? So they get mission and message right there in the Sabbath school group. Um, that the Sabbath school would be a, a wonderful tool to help reinvigorate the mission, desire, and programming, everything we do in the life of the church. Uh, you can use your microphone. You know what? You guys just got the Sabbath School live seminar. Just like no, that, you didn't. Right? You yeah. got a synopsis of one part of it. Okay. Okay, now it's lunchtime, so are you planning to be here this afternoon? Let's start with you. Can we start with your question this afternoon? Just because I don't want to try to rush through your, the answer. And then you might need to check with a speaker. I'm one of the speakers. <laughs> I'll get part of my time. Amen. Um, we're going to be back here at 2. 15, and then again at 3.30, and we're going to be taking that time to be talking about different aspects of, how would you describe it, Jim? I'll tell you right now. I'm going to tell you right now. Isn't the church too focused on evangelism? Isn't true evangelism a lifestyle? How often should we do evangelism? Shouldn't we focus more on Jesus and less on doctrine or prophecy? Shouldn't we do personal evangelism instead? Does public evangelism even work anymore? Does public evangelism cost too much? What if my church isn't ready for evangelism? Haven't we heard it all before? Don't beasts and dragons just scare people, etc. We're going to touch on all the issues and answers related to public evangelism. And, and, and excuses and complaints and myths and all of this stuff. And then we're going to go into the tips and keys to success in public evangelism. All right. So that's what we're looking at this afternoon. Let's have a prayer together and um, hope to see you back this afternoon. Father in heaven, Father, again, we just thank you for the privilege we have of being here at the Michigan Adventist Camp Meeting. We thank you for the guidance of your Holy Spirit and the many blessings we've experienced while here. And Lord, the more blessings we're going to be able to experience as we leave here with a determination to finish the work that you've given us to do. Father, empower us to do that. I pray that you would bless us as we go to lunch um, and bring us back together to learn more and study more. We ask you in Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. 
If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.